Okay, book of Tov. Um, today's daf is Yudbet, and we pick up three lines from the bottom on Yudal from Yudbet, and we're in the middle of the Gemara, which is um, uh, seeing Achashverosh as doing a repetition of what Balshetzer did, which was taking out the vessels of the Beis Hamikdash and using them, um, and that has, uh, ties into our minute of the way we read Kerimi, Kerim, Shonim, and the different trap, which the Gemara will get to in a little bit. I mean, not the trap, but that it, it hinges it on that verse. Um, and um, um, is the, here it's hinging it on the interpretation of the verse, after he felt comfortable now that the uh, prophecy of 70 years would not be fulfilled. So the Gemara explained that what was the prophecy. So it said that uh, one prophecy said 70 years live Babel. Another public says of the destruction of Jerusalem, which we'll get to. But the one of live Babel, so 70 years, if you take from the Bukhanetzer until Balshetzer's third year, was 70 years. Nebuchadnezzar um, was uh, 45 years king plus 23 of Avril Merodach what did I write here? 37? no, I'm sorry how much was that? I thought it was 23 um, oh maybe, no, this is 37 from a particular date I think, anyway Balshetzer was uh, one minute um, I think I'm right hold on yeah, 23. All right, I don't know what this 37 was for, but anyway, the Bukhanetzer was 45 years, Avmodov was 23. Now he's actually clear where some of these numbers are coming from, but be that as it may, 78. Um, and Balshetzer, on his third year, I mean 68, and Balshetzer on his third year, from the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar. And what you should have been doing is you should have been counting from the beginning of the exile of Babel, which is goes to Yoyachid, which gives him eight more years. So his eight more years were five years, was one more year of Balshetzer, because it was in his third year. Five years, the Gemara says, now we're in Madai and Parash. This is Babel and Chazim. So five years of Yavash and Korosh, which the Gemara asserts, doesn't tell you how it knows it. That makes seven. Well, I mean, that makes uh, six plus two years of Ahasuerosh, and then in his third year, um, you had, uh, in his third year, you had him uh, taking out the vessels of the base of the So that's how the Gemara got 70, if you count from here, as opposed to 70 counting from there. And that's, that's the, that's what we ended with yesterday. So the Gemara says like this. So it says like this. So the Gemara says, um, okay. So the Gemara says, Vahashab Yerchashiv, three lines from the bottom. So I don't understand, says the Gemara. He did the math well. So it seems to have been 70 years if you start from the, this exile of Golos Yehoi Yachin. Of course, there's other places you could start from, which the Gemara will get to. But let's take a look. So the Gemara says, no, you know he needs to tie. He also made a mistake in the 70 years. Right? Because the other Pesach says, of the destru- to the destruction of Jerusalem. One Pesach says from Yirmiyah, 70 years from Bavel. But um, he, another Pesach um, in Daniel says 70 years from the destruction of Jerusalem, which was Golos Tzitziyahu, was Korban Abayim. So he should count his 70 from here, not 70 from there. So the Gemara says, um, Okay, but what's the difference between 8, and the year was year 19, so the difference is 11 years later. So the Gemara says, when you got to year 3 of Ahasuerus, that was 70. 70 from Golos 
Yehoyachim. Now it says it should have been not se- he should have waited till seventy from Golis to Kiyahu. Fine, that was eleven years later. He should have counted the seventy from here, from the destruction of Jerusalem. So he should have waited till down here. Seventy years later would have been Harvot Yerushalayim. Okay, so how much more is that? That's eleven more years, right? From eight to nineteen is eleven. So Achazeres should have waited till his fourteenth year. Okay, now the Gemara is going to say, but there's a problem. Because in the 14th year of Achashverosh, he was still king, as we know from the Begillah, there, they, they, the Jews had not yet returned to Israel. So this math doesn't work either. But it says, I get that you say Achashverosh made a mistake, and he thought that the Sabbath was up, and he got punished, and Moshetzer made a mistake, and he got punished. But the Gemara says, even if you count the seven years from the latest possible date, from the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, you're only going to get to year 14 of Achashverosh. So... There wasn't the Geula didn't happen at that stage. So let's take a look. So stuff come about in Chatzrei. You come a Malach. How long was Achashverosh king? Abase, 14. Right? If you look in the Megillah. Right? In the 14th year of Achashverosh, the Beis HaMikdash should have been uh, rebuilt based on this math. So for, the latest you'll get will be year 14 of, of Achashverosh. Alamaksi, uh, what does the verse say? But Adin Batilas Aveda Space Alaha at that time was uh negated um, like a uh, uh, feast the working on the base Hamikdash, Dibru Shalem, in Yerushalayim, um Dibru Shalem. Now this v- pasuk is in the time of Korash, back here. Korash initially allowed for the beginning of the rebuilding of the base Hamikdash. Right, and then it got he, it got negated, and that neg- uh, that that got reversed, and that got reversed to post Achashverosh. Okay, so uh, the rebuilding of the base of Mitzvah we'll talk about in a minute, but happened happened here. Okay, so the Gemara says, and it stopped here. Okay, so Betelit. Okay, you remember also um, Betelit. Okay, so anyway, so so. There was no rebuilding, so how could you say the Gula happened here? The actual rebuilding only started after Ahasuerus. So the Gemara says, um, let's take a look. Uh, okay. Um, so the Gemara says, Amar Rava says, Rava, Shnayim Kutaos Hafu. Okay, the years were not full years, meaning when we did this whole math and we said, you know, the Bukhadet was 45 years and Avon Murdoch 23. So those were, in his 45th year of being king, he died and Alvin Merodach took over. And Alvin Merodach was the king for 23 years. And then he died and then Balshetzer took over. But that doesn't mean that this was a full 45 years and this was a full 23 years, right? This king took over in the middle of this year and the next king took over in the middle of that year. So you can't just add these years up. The, the last year of all of these things are non-full years. So actually, you're like one or two years off. And so let's take a look. So the Gemara says, Tanya Nami Hachi, we talked similarly, V'od Shana Acheres Lebazel. There was another year when Abel Shetra thought he was in year 70. But that wasn't year 70 from the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar because there were partial years here. So even after Balshetzer died, there was one more year before you got to be year 70 of Bavel when Daryavesh took over. And then when Daryavesh took over, he really got you to year 70. And, that's when, and then when Korish took over, this is what the Gemara is going to say, Korish then gave them the initial permission to rebuild. And then he reversed it. So what the Gemara is saying is like this. The counting was close, but it was off by a year or two. 
Okay, so Boshetzer thought he had hit year seven. Problem was, he added these numbers together, 45 and 23 and 2, and those weren't full years. There was a year or two left to get to 70. So that year or two to get to 70 from Babel happened in the time of Koresh. Koresh, there was a partial geula there. Koresh gave them permission to begin rebuilding. Okay, and that's the one verse that says 70 years from Babel. Okay, then Koresh reversed it. Then you have the Achashverosh. Now, by the, after Achashverosh, then you have the, that was an additional, you know, 18 years or so. Then after Achashverosh, not in year 14, because we now have gained a year or two, then you have the 70 years. So this is 70 years from Babel. And then after Achashverosh is 70 years from Harvot Yerushalayim. And then the rebuilding started in earnest, and that was the second prophecy. Okay, so let's read that. So the Gemara says, yeah? Yeah, meaning it's from how many years they have been king and not how many total years have passed. So The number is not based on their anniversary, it's based upon one of those years. No, I think it is based on their anniversary. Right, but if 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 the Yavesh, if Nebuchadnezzar was king for 45 years, but he was two months into his 45th year and he died, and then, you know, and then you'll say the next guy was king for 23 years, but the first year you're counting is the last 10 months, so you've double counted a year. So they're using different numbers. Right. Okay. Well, so you know the 70s based on actual anniversary. You mean actual, like, calendar years? Yeah, that, that's what that's what you're arguing. Or you mean a 12 months? You mean a 12 right. months? Period. Right. I mean, obviously, for anyway, 70 could also still be just totally symbolic, as you know, as 70 as a symbolic number. But you're right. I mean, the Gemara could have, I guess, gotten to that if it needed to. But what the Gemara is saying is a reasonable point. The 70 years of the prophecy is 70 calendar years, whereas when we were doing the math before and we were saying that this year of this king and this year of that king, they were not full calendar years. Right. Exactly. This is saying that, the, that Shivat Sion was 140 years, however you understand the length of a year, 140 years since the... No. No, 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 no. This 70 is not 70 from here. This 70 is 70, this 70 is 70 from Harvot Yerushalayim, right. and this 70 is 70 from not the beginning of Babel. Parallel to, to, to reckonings. Right, yeah. two reckonings. One from Babel, one yeah. from here. Yeah. So Balshetzer was pretty close, except right. he made two mistakes. A, he double-counted a year, so it really it began in the time, two years later in the time of Koresh, number one. And number two is that wasn't right. the full redemption. That was the beginning of the redemption. Then Achashverosh made a mistake and he counted from over here. Right. But anyway, and he should have counted from down here, which would have got you right after Achashverosh. And that was 70 from Babel. And that got you to the real beginning of the base on the We have corroborating evidence to support the Torah changed his mind? Yes, that actually is a pasuk in Ezra. Um, that, you know, that's what the Gemara quoted there at the bottom. Uh, that, was the, that was the B-tool. Yes, exactly. That, yeah, that, that, that's a Mephorish pasuk. Right, that's a Mephorish pasuk. Okay? Yep. All right, so the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. And, um, and this, by the way, and to make it more confusing, and I'm sure that Charlie can tell us about this because I have no idea how this works with any other reckoning. But anyway, this is in the system in Ezra. Here, the rebuilding afterwards that gets done in earnest is Daryavesh. 
which the Gemara assumes means the second Taryavet. Right. This is the first Taryavet, and this is the second Taryavet. And the Gemara also assumes that he was the child of Ahasuerus and Esther, just so you should know. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> which our Gemara is going to say, but another Gemara assumes. Okay? So this was the real rebu- rebuilding 70 years from Karvot and Yushalayim. This was the beginning of the process 70 years from Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, okay. after Abraham none of this coincides with anything. Okay, fine. Yeah. All right, so let's take a look at the Gemara. Amar Rava, after Neil Tal, This was so complicated, even Daniel would, you know, made mistakes, didn't get exactly right. 70 years from when? How do you count the years? The verse says, at the first year of his king, I, Daniel, like investigated into the books, looked into the books. We discover a Binosi. I paid it, you know, I, I gave my, I, 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 you know, I, 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 I investigated, I looked closely. Michal Zatar, obviously he had made some mistake and he had to like, you know, re-explore the, uh, the Psukim in order to reanalyze the Psukim in order to determine what the 70 years would be. So the Mark says, we got a problem with the Psukim. Steve, I already sort of gave you the answer to this. One verse says, Melos le Bavel, 70 years will be filled to Bavel, which presumably means from the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar. The Ksiv, another verse says, the Charvos Yerushalayim, to the destruction of Jerusalem. So, Amar Rava, Lipchida Ba'alma. No, the first 70 years from Bavel is a, just a slight remembering. When the process began, and that, as we said, was in the time of Korish, it wasn't the full redemption which occurred later after Hashverish in the time of Daryavesh. And as we know, that redemption of Korish, Korish himself, reversed it. It didn't even last. And here's the verse in Ezra, where they give the permission to begin the rebuilding. All the kingdoms of the land, God, Hashem, the God of heavens, has given me. And he has appointed me, and there's the word Pakad and Pkidav, Rava, to build for him a house in Jerusalem. So therefore, that was, that began 70 years from Bavel, but the actual rebuilding began 70 years from the destruction of Jerusalem after Ahasuerus. What's meant by the verse in Yeshayahu? Right, so this is a very startling verse. So says God to his anointed one, to yeah. Korish, that I have strengthened his right hand. And, you know, yeah. There you go. So that's what the Gemara is going to say. So the Gemara says, Korish really the Mashiach. Now Mashiach here doesn't necessarily mean it's a capital M, but it means, you know, he's been anointed. In the context of the verse, he was chosen and anointed to, be, you know, to begin the rebuilding of the base of Mikdash. But the Gemara takes offense at this label. So the Gemara says, Ella, no, Mashiach is not Korish. It's Kol Marshem Lim Shicho. So says God to, the, to, to, to his Messiah. The Korish, Shehechzakti Binino, regarding Korish, who I strengthen his right hand. Rashi actually says that if you read the Trop closely, there seems to be a clear distinction between Mishicho and Korish. Anyway, Kovelani Lachal Korish. I have a complaint to you about Korish. So God is complaining to Mashiach that Korish was supposed to presumably begin the process, didn't do the job fully. I said he would build my house. Okay, he would be the one to actually rebuild it. The and he would gather the exile. That sounds pretty much like the job of Mashiach. But Korish said, He didn't actually actively rebuild it, actively gather the exile. He just gave the Jews permission to rebuild it. He didn't live up 
to what the plan had been. So in two ways, it's sort of saying Korish wasn't Mashiach. Number one is he didn't live up to the plan. And number two, it reads the verse to distinguish Mashiacho from Korish. But it is interesting because the way it sort of says at least what the plan was, it sounds a lot like what the job of Mashiach is. Yes. Korish is being treated more uh, strictly by this commentary than Hosea, the last king of the northern kingdom. Yeah. When Hosea took down the sentries that kept Jews from going through Shalim. Yeah. Uh, he's praised for that, even though he didn't order people to go, but the Jewish people who didn't go right. after he took down the, the border guards right. uh, are criticized, and there's commentary that that was the final uh, nail in the coffin of the Northern Kingdom. Right. The Koresh is being criticized more severely. Right. I mean, it's not saying what he, I mean, I think, it, yeah, I think he did a lot of good, but it's just saying it's sort of like the Gemara about Chizkiyo, right? That he could have been the Mashiach had he said Shiraf, or, you know, Sancheir. Right, right. Just saying, he didn't live up to the potential, to the actual, what the ultimate vision had been. Okay. Anyway, that's the end of figuring out the 70 years. But it situates this whole story of Purim in that larger context of that prophecy and the Geulah and anticipating it and so on. Okay. Now, back to the Megillah. Chel for Asumadai. The, um, the, uh, you know, the, um, um, the, uh, the, 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 what are the, the, um, uh, the officers of Parasumadai, Hapartimim. So the, um, the, so the, again, part to me, which are somehow the governors, the officers, the Ksiv, and the other verse says, the Machay Madai Paras, the, to the kings of Madai and Paras. So the problem of the Gemara is, first of all, which is first? Is it, is it Paras and Madai or Madai and Paras? Rachel points out that the question is, which is, which is coming from Paras? Is it the Machay Madai Paras, or the kings coming from Madai? Because Machay is juxtaposed to Madai. Or is it the Chel Paras? Or, I mean, or is it Madai Hapartimim? Or is it that the, uh, you know, more like the governors are coming from Madai, but not the kings? So, Amarava Asnuye Asne Bahadadi. The Medians and the, per- and the uh, per- Persians sort of uh, made an agreement between them. Iminan Malchi, if the king comes from, kings come from us, Minaihu Ifrachi, from you will come the governors of the provinces. Viminaihu Malchi, and if the kings come from you, Minan Ifrachi, from us will come the governors. So these were two, uh, you know, these were two kingdoms that got together to rule over the world, and they basically split the, uh, you know, split the um, uh, positions of power between them. What? Power sharing. Power sharing, exactly. Okay. Um, now, Bahar Oto at Osher Kivod Malchuto, when he demonstrated the, uh, the wealth of the glory of his kingdom. So now picking up on the theme of taking out the Kalim of the Beis Amikdash, what he also did at this party was he dressed the Big Day Kuna. So here basically he's trying to usurp, you know, the power of God. Like saying basically, I have control over the vessels, I'm going to wear the vessels, the Kalim of the Beis Amikdash, and so on. And, you know, and sort of, sort of, I think that again it could just be in each one of these psukim that the Gemara is just saying what it has to say and they don't necessarily tie together to some overarching theme oh look you know so let's say something is it this or is it let's say something but if one tries to connect some theme you know there seems to be here a little bit of an undermining of the haughtiness of Ahasuerus here he is taking out the vessels here he is he's wearing the, the, uh, the you know the, the big day kunan at the same time like, you know, we said before, how did he even get to be king? Did he really deserve it? Did he buy his way there? There's all anyway an agreement between Matai and Paras. You know, all of this is not about Ahasuerus. It's like all about these other sort of like powers and, you know, he's not as great as he thinks and nevertheless, here's all the things that he's doing. I think you could read these in juxtaposition. Anyway, here's what it says. Aksiv Hacha, here it says, Yikar 
Kitaris Kidulatau, the glory, you know, the, the, the honor of the glory of his greatness. So again, you have that word of Tifaret, and Kavod, and yet Yikar is the Aramaic of Kavod, as the Gemara said earlier. Okay, so here he is, he's usurping all of these, uh, you know, um, uh, honors and roles. When these days were filled, right? You know, he made a big 180-day feast. Rabbi Shmuel, one says he was a smart king. He was a stupid king. He was a smart king. First, it was smart. First, he had a party for all of the distant provinces. Get the people that are less under your control, you know, just worry to, to curry their favor. And then the last party was only for, you know, for, for, for those that, you know, for his own city, because you people of your city you can worry about later, you know, whenever you want, they're there, they're available in, to you in order to, uh, you know, if you need, if you need to, if you need to, if you need to uh, cultivate them. Umanda Martibekai, the one that says he was stupid, No, first, you work at cultivating those people of your own city. The Imardube because if the distant provinces rebel against you, at least your own countrymen and the people of your own city will be with you. So therefore, you know, he you know he should have uh, solidified his power base before he worried about bringing in those distant people. Um, okay. Now we're diverting, uh, taking a moment off from the Pasuk to have a, like a little uh, theological speculation. The students asked Why did the enemies of the Jews, meaning the Jews in that generation, why were they deserving of destruction? What did they do that was uh, deserving of the Gzair of Haman? Amr Lahem, he said to them, What do you think? Amrullah, they said to him, because of the opening story of the Megillah. They were all part of that uh, party. And here, Achishvesh is being called like Osa Russia. They're all part of the party, which basically doesn't presumably mean they were eating trace, but it means that A, they were either assimilating, which is one issue that Chazal bring up a lot, um, or B, it means that they were, you know, complicit in all of the machinations that the king was doing, that it's the issue of the Russia. Um, although, again, it's not clear which of those two is sort of being emphasized here. It seems, it seems more it should be the issue of assimilation, but the emphasis of Sudasa Shalosa Russia seems more an issue about sort of being complicit in some of the political machinations of a Hashverah. So the Gemara says, If that's true, then only the Jews in Shushan should have been killed. Only the ones that actually actively participated. Not the ones that were more distant. Okay, so it's funny because it says that he made a party right for everybody. Shushan was only the last week. Not exactly clear what the challenge was here. Um, anyway, Amrulo, so they said back to him, Emrata, okay, so you tell us, what do you think? Amrulam, he said back to them, because they bow down to the idol. Rashi says this is going back to the story of Nebuchadnezzar where everybody was prepared to bow down to the idol, idol except Hanan Mishel Vazaria which was a little while earlier. But Amrulo, so they said to him, would there therefore be any lifting up of the face would there be any forgiveness if that was their sin how would did they get the miracle done for them? Why should they be forgiven for the sin of Avodazara? Amalahem, so he said back to them, Hamo Asu Elo Lisnim, or they only did it for like appearances' sake. 
Okay, it's interesting. Lifnim sometimes you think means inner, was on the inside, but also panim, the face of things. They only did it for appearances. They didn't really believe in this idol. They bowed down because uh, Nebuchadnezzar was forcing them. So it was only external. It was only for appearances' sake. Um, and therefore, they didn't really deny God, and therefore God was willing to do this miracle for them. Alpha Kodesh. Right? right, exactly. That's what I said. They were forced. So therefore, God also, when he brought the threat of Haman, it was only appearances. It was not something that was like a really, you know, inner, uh, you know, deep and going to happen. It was only the appearance of it and then it was waved away. The, um, behind the sleeve, that's meant by the verse, God does not bring suffering, um, does not desire suffering from his heart. But presumably the point here is, is that it is not, if it's not coming milibo from the heart of a person, the sin, if it was only external, then God is not going to punish you or, you know, um, f- uh, fully for that type of a transgression. Now, this obviously is a very challenging Gemara. So this basically describes mostly what the realities have always been in the times of martyrdom, is that you're asked to, the Jews asked to baptize themselves or to accept Mohammed or to, you know, whatever it was in the time of, this, of Avachashverosh. And it's not like they really would have converted at that time or really would have denied God. They would have done it because they were being forced and it would have been only an external show. And nevertheless, the Gemara says, well, okay, you know, so therefore it could be forgiven. So this actually is very important because it raises the question of if a Jew did not live up to the demands of martyrdom, what type of sin um, has he or she performed? And Tosvos says, just in a passing comment, but it is actually the central point of the Rambam in his Igeret uh, Iman, where he deals with Jews that uh, basically um, accepted, uh, you know, Islam rather than convert. And he makes the point that he says, okay, the sin that you've performed is that you haven't done the myth of Kiddush Hashem, but you haven't done the sin of Avodah Zarah, because you're anos in Avodah Zarah. You worship Avodah Zarah because there was a gun to your head. So when you did a mitzvah to give up your life, so that's the mitzvah, Kiddush Hashem. And if you didn't do it, you didn't do Kiddush Hashem. But it doesn't mean you transgressed Avodah Zarah, you were completely anus. And there was no belief that was behind it, and there was no desire that was behind it, and so on. And therefore, it's something that, it's not like the most unforgivable sin. It can be forgiven. Right, and that was basically Rambam's response in Igeris Haman. Now, of course, that raises challenging, like, political questions because, you know, you want the people not to be completely lost. You want to bring them back, um, and therefore you want to have a more of an open and welcoming policy. But if you're a little bit too open and welcoming, then you might be encouraging people the next time around to also not martyr them. And you could say, well, okay, that'll keep them alive. But if, but no, what it actually will lead to is that it'll lead to them being completely lost to Judaism because how many people are going to leave and then come back? So it raises very interesting sort of policy and leadership questions but the principle that if they actually submit and do a Vodazara it's not the worst sin in the world it's not a Vodazara it might be a failure of Kiddush Hashem but it's not a Vodazara and therefore maybe can be forgiven you know that uh, seems to definitely be the shot um, of this Sukhya yes my understanding with the Gemara is saying that just as they didn't really mean it God didn't really mean it either. Right. In other words, they, God always knew all along that no one was ever going to be killed by Hamas. Right. So, so the, theologically, the problem is, I guess, during the Crusades, God really did mean it. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's a good point. That's a very good point. But yes, the Gemara does seem to be saying that, at least at this stage, it was all appearances it wasn't going to happen. And I should add another part of this is not only the parallel of 
so Zemmer was only external. The threat, therefore, was only, vis- you know, what it appeared to be and not genuine. But I think the other parallel here is also the idea of Hester Panim in the mace of the Megillah, that God's action also was hidden. What was, exp- what was visible, everything was what was visible on the surface. What was really happening on the inside, you know, God's invisible hand, that was the, like, mealy bow parallel. The same way when the Jews worshipped the Vodizara, that was on the outside. That wasn't what was actually at a deeper level truly happening. So I think there's a parallel to the sort of, you know, um, nace nister that's going on here as well. David, you had a question? Yes. How did we go from uh, Soneham Shal Yisrael yeah. to representing Jews? It sounds like... Soneham Shal Yisrael is always the, um, the euphemism. Yes. Soneham Shal Kamideh Chachamim, Soneham Shal, sometimes it's even so, Soneham Shal Shal Yisrael, it's always a way of... Because you don't want to say something bad about the Jews, so you say it's about the non-Jews, but... It's, it's an understood euphemism. Okay, it's like Sagi Nahar, which is, you know, for a blind person, which is, but who has, uh, yeah, the, the, the phrase for the Gemara for a blind person, it's Sagi Nahar, the person of plentiful light. So, <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So now the Gemara continues. Um, okay. Um, okay, so we're, we did the whole party, and now uh, the, we've introduced this question whether Hashverosh is Chacham or Tipesh. By the way, that's a real question in terms of just forgetting this issue about the distant provinces and the near provinces. You know, the whole story with Haman, right? Was Hashverosh just completely being manipulated? How do you read the Megillah? I mean, to me, the shot of the Megillah is Hashverosh is being manipulated by whoever's the next person up to that. First, he's manipulated by Haman, then he's manipulated by Esther, and so on. But you could read it, again, this issue about, like, you know, Lifnim, that maybe he allows himself to appear that way, and maybe he really is, uh, you know, you know, ha- you know, has a hidden agenda to all of what's going on. So, yeah? And you have to wonder who set the agenda as to who's going to be the last voice. Uh huh. Uh huh. Interesting. What? I think the chief of staff who has all the power, right? No. Is that what he was saying? He was saying he could, you could appear... Right, anyway, who's behind the scene? Anyway, fine. All right, let's go on. Rav Shmuel. Okay, so which was it? Where was the party? Was it in the court? Was it in the yard? Was it in the garden? Was it in the castle? Literally, it's in the, in, in the yard of the, ca- of the garden of the castle. Um, so, Rav Shmuel. People that were at the Madrega, the you know, level of honor that they, you know, the lower level, that they only could be in the courtyard, they were put into the courtyard area. You know, those that were at a higher level went to the gar- were, were put in the garden. And those that were at the level that could be in the castle, they got the party inside the castle. The other one says no. First, she tried to have everybody, the party in the courtyard. It didn't fit. There were too many people. So, so he moved them to the courtyard, to the, to the garden. There were too many for the garden. Until he finally brought them into the castle. Okay. They were really all in the courtyard. And then you could like you like at a good party. You can you know mow around. You can take a little walk. So you had a door open into the garden if you wanted to walk in the garden while you were having your drinks and, and hors d'oeuvres. Or you could take a little walk and have a little you know tour of the house. Go into the castle. Okay. So now we're on to the various, uh, you know, tapestries and other things. So, Chor Karpas and Techelas, which is, you know, some types of various linens and blue. So, my Chor, what is this Chor? Rav Amar Chari Chari. It was some fine type of stitching and needlework. 
No, like white is it's chor from chavar, from from white, as opposed to chor from holes, which is needlework. He's reading it from white. It was white silk that he laid out for them. Okay, so that's chor. What's karpas? So it's a thing you dip on Pesach. So Amar Rav Yosef Barchanina, Karim Shopasim, that was a, a cushions of velvet. Al Gilile Chesef, on pillars of silver, Vamude Sheish, and, uh, you know, and pillars of, of marble. Mitot Zahav Chesef. So, and beds of gold and silver. Tanrib, Yudomer, Haroi Lekesef Lekesef, same idea before. Those that were deserving, you know, at a lower level, they got the silver beds. The Haroi Lezav Lezav, and those that were, got, you know, at the higher level, they got the gold beds. Amalo Reb Nechemius, Reb Nechemius said, In Cain, not to make Tokina Besuda. So now you're going to have people jealous. Oh, you get the silver bed, you got the gold bed, I only got the silver bed. That's not a good way to have a party. Ella, Haim Shel Kesef, Raglayim Shel Zav. They were both. You had silver and the legs were gold. Of course, who's looking at the legs? You would think the legs would be silver. They would be gold, but that's a lot more expensive. Anyway, Tosos asks a question. If you look at Tosos, interesting. Atamatio Kina, Tosos says, In Tama, Luman Tama, Leel, Haroi Legina, Legina, Haroi Lechatzel, Lechatzer. Why wasn't this objection raised before when it said they were in different locations? In Cain, at the Meito Kina Basuta, so it says, Yesh Lomar, just swear away, the Kivan Shalai, rowing that Zelleke Kina. No, it was huge, so you didn't see who was in the courtyard. Was in, I mean, you still probably got a little upset. Why am I only going there? And that person is getting sent to that place, but okay, it wasn't as bad if it wasn't like in your face. Well, you think it's like a house, a big house with a backyard, a garden, but it must have been like expansive. Right. Like 20 blocks by 20 Right. Yeah. Gasping stuff. Evil <laughs> <laughs> the world. You ever try to make seating arrangements? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, so back to the Gemara. Bahat vasheish, bahat and sheish, which is like I don't know, green and white, green and white marble is how the English translates it. But let's see what the Gemara does with this word bahat. Precious stones that are mitchotetot on their owners. Whole discussion what that means. Sparkles shine. Rashi says it means it forces their owners to seek after them. They're very rare and precious. Stones of the crown, crown jewels that are lifted over or sparkle over the lamb and Rashi says that word also also means from the word of like Nisayon that required an enormous amount of effort in order to find them okay the Darvis of Charet let's see what those are Ravam are Dari Dari rows and rows of presumably like uh, precious stones um, okay. Um, there's a very precious stone over, you know, in the, uh, in the, in, in the foreign isles. The Dara Shema, whose name was Dara, so Dara is the name of a precious stone. which seems to be playing the word of Socharet and Saharayan. And it was, it shone for them like the, like the, like the middle of the day, like it was so bright, this precious stone. Okay. Um, where are we? Kitsarai. Uh, I just lost my place. Um, okay. Going back to like the end of the Megillah, or going to the end of the Megillah, where he calls a, you know, he, he, he waves the taxes. So here he says, Darvis Ocharis is not a precious stone, it's a policy. He basically called Dror to Ba'alei Sechora. He freed him to the merchants. He basically, uh, you know, had it really, it said, you know, remove the taxes on imports. So that was Darvis Ocharis. So everybody was very happy. 
Okay. The Balei Sichora. Vashkot bechlei zahav kelim kelim shonim, drinking from golden vessels and different and different types of vessels. Mishunim violation. Say shonim, which means like from the word shonet to repeat. Should have said mishunim, different. So Amar Rava yotzta basko ba'amar lahem. A heavenly voice came out and said to them, Rishonim kolubit nekelim. The early ones, Balshetzer, like we set the stage yesterday, they were destroyed because they used the uh, temple's vessels. Zatem shonim ba'em, and you're repeating the sins. So from the word sheni and we to repeat and not just shonim to be different. And again, so here, anchoring that earlier story of using the vessels in this verse of Kelim Shonim, which is why we read it with a different trap. To replicate. To replicate. To duplicate. The Ye wine of the kingdom, Rav was a plentiful. Amar Rav, says Rav, so Yemachus Rav does not mean you're plentiful, but means um, like um, um, older is the way he's reading it. Everybody drank wine older than his own age. Um, and the drinking was uh, was according to the law. Nobody was forced. It was appropriate. No no compulsion. So my kedas, what does it mean kedas? According to the rule. Following the rule of the Torah. The same way in the Torah, eating is greater than drinking. Rashi and Tosu says this means that the food you put on the Mizdeach, the Korbanot, and the grain offerings are much, much greater in proportion to the drinking. Even in that wicked man's uh, uh, meal, the eating was greater than the drinking. So this is, okay, that's nice. So it wasn't just stam a drinking party. Like one wonders why he's saying something like this. Sounds like it's saying a nice thing about a hashvei mm-hmm. So I could just speculate again. I don't know about all these comments. How much sort of to just like okay, saying something about the verse, even if it's not deeply meaningful. But I would just speculate two possible points about this. One is a is coming again to like usurp the whole based on mikdash like you know power and centrality within that idea. So he wears the vessels of the kohen gadol. He uses the kaling. He's sort of making. You know, his, you know, it's sort of like, they, what did they used to say? Like, Vilna was the, you know, was the Jerusalem of, uh, so, you know, so here he's making uh, Shushan, the new Jerusalem. He's, you know, he, and he's the Kohen Gadol. So even in his Su'uda, he's somewhat replicating, like, what they would do on the Mizbeach. There'd be food, there'd be drinks, appropriate proportions. So sort of seeing him in that sort of type of usurping role. The other possibility is also because of, you know, and again, one wonders, I, I might be, um, I might be referencing checking here, but, you know, the earlier Gemara discussion before about drinking in the Suda and the but then also pulling back a little with that whole story of Rabba and Rabbi Zera, you know, how much we understand that our, you know, how much is the emphasis on the drinking and how much is the emphasis on the Suda and what type of appropriate, like, balance do we have between those so the Gemara here might be somewhat sort of setting the stage, although the Psukim emphasized the Mishnah, the Gemara is telling you that actually the Suda was much more central or proportionally much larger than the actual amount of drinking. Charlie, what did you want to say? I was going to say, so Christianity and Islam were not the first attempts at supersessionism. Oh, there you go. Okay, exactly. Um, all right, so the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Um, nobody is forced. I'm a rebel Everybody was given wine from his, that was his own country, so nobody was sort of pressured 
or given wine that would feel um, like you know uh, like an imposition on them, hard for them to drink, and something that they didn't really that that, that was that was not pleasant that they didn't really want to be drinking. Kosher wine. Kosher wine. kits on each for each to do like the will of every man. I'm a rava. Lasos kits on Mordechai v'Haman, like to do the will of Mordechai and Haman. Mordechai tzitzis each Yehudi each Yehudi the Jewish man, right? Haman each sar v'oyev. So they're called each for each. Now, what does this mean? The desire of Mordechai and Haman. So Rashi says it means Mordechai and Haman were the wine stewards. Okay, the Marsha says, what do you mean? But the desire of every man is the desire of the people drinking the wine, not the desire of the people serving the wine. So Rashi says, well, no, it means Mordechai and Haman were told to give everybody the wine that they want. Anyway, it's a hard read. So the Marsha says, no, it means that the desire of the people drinking the wine, but he sees Mordechai and Haman here being just sort of stand-ins for meaning like people of all different nations that no matter what nation you were part of, whether you were a Mordechai or whether you were a Haman, you know, you were, your needs were taken care of in terms of what you wanted to drink. I wonder if the, Midra, if the Gemara here is actually leaving the Su'uda for the moment and talking about a theme that we're going to hear later. You know, this gets to the Ar Haman and Baruch Mordechai issue, which is about how the story of the Megillah was not all Haman's fault as well. You know, to some degree it was Mordechai's fault also, according to the Gemara, you know, the way that he refused to bow down to Haman and so on um, and even in the simple read of the Megillah you know he was always I mean no the Gemara says that's, that is the Megillah but the Gemara is because of the whole issue about the idol and so on but in the, um, but in the you know, even in the shot of the Megillah right he's like it seems a little bit he's getting in Haman's face you know, he's not bowing down. Other people are bowing down. Why not bowing down again? So the Gemara, as I said, is, right. So how much is uh, is this a little bit like all about Mordechai? You know, you know, Mordechai was the you know was the reason that set all these things into motion. So some want to say that that gets back to the Gemara, as I said, about uh, you know Ben Araham and Baruch Mordechai. Like it's so clear here who really was to blame and who really was the bad guy and so on. So that might be a little bit like the story of the Megillah is Kirtzoni Shvaiish. It's not just Ratzon Haman it's also Ratzon Mordechai like this whole thing you know is coming from equally from the acts and from the will of both of them so okay <laughs> so the Gemara says like this um, okay um, now we get to some of the famous Midrashim about Vashti. She made a drinking party for the women. In the king's house. In the castle. She should be make, she could have the women's party in the women's house. What are you doing having the women's party in the castle where the men are? So, Amarava. So, Shneim Lidvarveraniskavnu. Both of them were, had intent for sin. Both of them, so, which means, why was she in the castle? Because they were, uh, you know, they were interested in uh, getting together with the men in the castle. So they all had sex on their mind. And Hainu Dami Inshi, and that's what people say, Iu Bikari Vitate Bibutsine. He has like, uh, you know, the man has, you know, has his, has, has his gourds and the woman has her gourds, which basically is a way of saying, like, good for the goose, good for the gander, I think, would be the uh, contemporary idiom. Okay, so anyway, they both, they, they both have that on their mind, and that's why it's all happening in the same, in the same basic space. Um, on day seven, when the king's heart was, uh, was joyous with wine. Until now, his heart was not good with wine. He's been drinking it for seven days. So, Amar Rava, Yom Shri Shabbos Haya. So, it was Shabbos, Yom Hashivi. It was Shabbos. 
when the Jew, when, when Israel eats and drinks on Shabbos, they tell over a word on the Parsha, they sing some Zmiros. So for them on Shabbos, that type of being in a positive state encourages, you know, appropriate types of, uh, of, of talk and of, uh, and, and, and discourse and so on. When they eat and drink, what do they talk about? Nonsense. The same about that wicked man's uh, meal. And what would they talk about? They talk about women. Midarios knows this group would say, oh, the median women, they're the most beautiful. The Persian women, they're the most beautiful. The vessel that I use, right, being very vulgar, isn't a median and isn't Persian, but it's Kazdian. It's someone from Lirosa. Lirosa, would you like to see this vessel? Meaning Vashti, his wife, Amulo, in, yes, but we gotta really see her. She has to be naked. Now, and that's, so that's how it led to this whole thing. Because they were, what were they doing? They were talking about nonsense and sex and so on, and that led to this whole thing. And the measure that a person deals out, that's the measure they are, is measured for them. Now, not talking about a chashverosh, we're talking about vashti. Because all of this teaches you, I mean, it teaches you because we're starting from the principle and working backwards, but okay. It teaches you that Vashti would take the Jewish, young Jewish women and strip them naked, and force them to serve her and work for her on Shabbat. And therefore, she also was stripped naked on Shabbat. I need to see, now, of course, what's not, so that's the whole Mida connected Mida. What it doesn't explain is, how come it took him seven days to get to Tovlev HaMelech? I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of saying, well, maybe he was in a good mood before that, but maybe, anyway, this waited for seven days, because in order the whole thing, it should be Shabbos, it should be Mida connected Mida. Or, I don't know, somehow, because Shabbos is the days that Jews enjoyed themselves, somehow, even though he had been drinking for six days, he didn't really start getting into it until Shabbos himself. Anyway, the question it raised wasn't fully answered, but it seems it was more interested in getting to this point and in answering why it took him seven days to get in a good mood. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, right. Just, just means on Shabbos. When, uh, but 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 right. It still wants to explain whenever that day. Hey, yeah, I don't think it's going that far to read it that way. Anyway. But, Right, true, true. Okay, so I didn't really answer why it took him seven days, but anyway, we got to this whole point about Shabbos. Okay. So why did it say he remembered Vashti, what she did and what he was nigzar on her? What she had done in the past was what was Nigzar Aleph from God that she should appear naked. Meaning not what she had done just now with Nigzar Aleph from Mordechai. But it gets back to the Mida Kineged Mida. Okay. Um, now, so he wants her to come. Which the Gemara now has added means, added means naked. And Vashi refused. Okay. Um, uh, so, the Gra has a nice uh, read of this, by the way. Because he says that when Ahasuerus calls her, it says... Um, what does it say? So first it says Vashti, and then it says Malka. And then when she responds, 
the queen Vashti. So he says that Achashverosh was saying to her like, hey, you know, you're, you're Vashti, you're just a queen come second, you're just a queen because you're married to me, so you have to listen to what I say. And she re- responded back and she said, nobody, I'm the queen. And we'll see in the Gemara, the Gemara understands that Vashti was a granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar and what Vashti was saying back was, you're just king because you're married to me. It's not the other way around. So anyway, he mo- notes the reversal of whether it's a Malka Vashti or Vashti Malka. But to she was, uh, you know, one census. There she was having this party. As we said, they were all thinking about talking about sex. So Dama Marshnein was very very nice cousin. They were both planning on all of this. So my time alone, I'll say, why wouldn't she come? It doesn't mean she wanted to be objectified, but okay. Amar of Yosi Barchanina, Milame Sheparchabat Sarat. Okay, so something happened. She would have come, but she uh, something disfigured. She got a rash. She got Sarat. Rashi quotes the Pasuk because it's, uh, by Sarat it says, uh, there's another Pasuk where it says Nigzar. Where's the Pasuk Rashi uh-huh. says? Uh, or Tosal quotes you with Um By Uziah it says, Nigzar mi beit Hashem. So Eit Hashem Nigzar Aleha, reading that to mean that there's something that was Nigzar, meaning that, that was, there was this Sarat. The Masnisatan, in the bright that we taught, she got a, a tail, okay, which is getting a little fantastical in terms of all of this. Um, the Marsha suggests, or, or quotes somebody, he doesn't agree with it, but quotes somebody that means it, doesn't have to literally mean a tail, it just means some type of a growth. She got some type of a disfiguring growth. Okay, and therefore, that's the only reason she didn't want to come. Like, so for Melch Ma'od, and the king got very angry. Am I Dalkabekulei? What got him so angry? I mean, it seems like, you know, well, okay, she was refused, but uh, why, why did he get so worked up? I'm a Rava, because here's what Vashi sent him, and this gets back to that Grai was telling you before about, you know, what the subtext of their demand and refusal. Bar You are the, like, uh, you know, the stable boy of my father. Uh, um, my father, so I think I said gran- grandfather before, father. Anyway, it's the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar. Anyway, my father, he could drink a thousand, uh, you know, flasks of wine. The low Ravi, and he wouldn't get drunk. So who governs this guy? You? You got drunk with your wine. So he was basically mocking him, dismissing him. You know, you tell me to come. You know, you're my father's stable boy. You're not even a real king. You can't even hold your liquor. So, yeah, that determines if you're king or not, if you could hold your liquor. Yeah. His anger fired within him. So the king said to the sages, Man Chachamim, so who are the sages? Obviously, Rabbanan, the rabbis. Who else did he go to but the rabbis? They knew the times. They know how to make the times. So, Amr Lahu. By the way, the other thing that we should note about this whole thing was not, you know, the whole thing about Shabbos and the whole thing about, like, uh, before about the Beis Hamikdash and now about the Rabbanan is not just, like, the mocking, but it's sort of making all of this. Like, here we have the king of Persia, right? The king of the entire civilized world. And what we're doing is, as we are always doing, is we're situating all of this really into the into Jewish history. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's not just an intersect with Jewish history. It's all part. The whole world history is really 
really a Jewish history, right? Yeah. So, you know, that's like we say, oh, who were the uh, Babylonians? Oh, yeah, they were the people that God sent to destroy the base of Mikdash because of this sin, right? And who were the Romans? Well, they God sent them to destroy the base of Mikdash because of this sin. Like, it's completely, everything is through the, the real story of history is the story of Jewish history. And everything else is just part of that story. So this is sort of what it's doing as well here, right? The whole story about Achashverosh all Ahasuerus could be thinking about was the 70 years of Daniel and he's waiting for the time and he's showing that it's not being fulfilled right so it's making Ahasuerus all about like his all of his concerns centered around sort of the Jewish history so here too you know it's really doing the same thing who do you go to if you got a question oh of course you go to the rabbis you know so that's sort of it, it just is a way of like I think completely changing our view like the avert like the New Yorker's view of the world you know <laughs> <laughs> everything takes place through the lens of Jewish history do you hear this as being satirical? Right. Words, we're trying to be explanatory. Um, well, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know if I'd say satirical or explanatory, meaning, I, I, you know, um, I, I don't know. I don't see this necessarily as an intentional satire. But what I do see this is, is the taking of the story of the Megillah and not just saying pshat, but trying to sort of frame it through a rabbinic lens and to sort of give it historical meaning through a rabbinic lens. So if you look at the story and saying, oh, all this was happening because of the way Vashti misused the Jewish women and the way Achashverosh misused the Kalim or whatever, it shapes your whole understanding of history. So I, I don't know if that, that's not sat- satire and that's not I'm explanatory. I'm Oh. So if you want to say the inside story of the palace that the, right. that the king and the, man and, the, and, the, and the queen had a terrible relationship right. and beats up on him, right. I mean you could totally hear that today. Right. That um, they both have uh, they, they both have uh, they have morals. You right. Could totally hear that. that right. That might be explanatory. Right. And then you get to the, that he, he consults the rabbis. Is that satire? Is that yeah. real? That she grows a tail, is that satire? Right. Real, right, right, right. Right, so at what stage, right, that's true. Like, are there some of these statements that are just said for, like, the absurd and satiric effect? It's possible, you know. I don't get a sense that that's the larger theme here, but certainly some of the statements, like the tail statements or whatever, I think it's possible, I, you know, but I don't know. I don't, I don't have a, I don't have the... Talk about Jewish right, the, the, right. I do know, I do know people sometimes say, like, in some of these discussions, every now and then they'll throw, like, a joke comment or a satiric comment or something so keep people awake so it's possible like the, but yes it was yeah. another comment yeah. yeah the very next verse after he says it says that he can tell the stages is a list of seven alright so let's take a look okay, okay. Yeah. so Amaru he said to them Ali, judge her for me Amaru they said to him now what can we do name a katla if we tell her to kill tell him to kill her so the macha pasik said by tomorrow he'll get he'll sober up the wine will stop. Why is leaning on? And he'll say, and he'll demand her from us. He'll say, "How did you let me kill her? She was my uh, queen." Name away Shavka. Tell him to uh, uh, let it go. So come Malchusa. Then she was, you know, she was disrespecting the uh, kingship, and that will, will will be held accountable for letting that go. Amrulo. So they ducked. From the time the Tehsamitras was destroyed, we don't have the, uh, you know, we're not as wise as we used to be and we're not able to judge Dine Nefashot. Going back to the destruction of the Tehsamitras theme and maybe like a subtle hint, you could help this out by letting us rebuild the Tehsamitras. Anyway, 
they were never exiled like wine that sits on its like leaves you know and that's un- settled wine and they'll the time of Amrule and they and and the, either means they the Amunamov gave gave the king taste, tam, reason, which also taste of wine, or the Mari is commenting that that which the sages said to Achashverosh, they said a good thing. Dhsiv as the verse says, Shanan Moab Minu Urav this whole metaphor of wine by Moab is in this Pasuk. Moab has been tranquil from its youth and it's been on its like the leaves of the wine, the grapes the Rohurachim clearly has not been exiled, has not been poured from one vessel to the next. Ubgalolo halach has not gone into exile. Therefore, its taste remains and its odor has not been removed. Okay, so he's there. So they, they, they duck, ask someone else. Miyad v'karov elav karshenashi sarad masu sashish. Amrabi Levi, kolposuk zeh alshum kobanot ne'emar. So again, this whole Beit HaMikdash theme, this whole pasuk is about hakarov, right? Karov, korban. So it's all about korbanot. Now, karshana. So, Amr Malach Eshar Sitzner Kodesh Baruch Hu. The heavenly angel said to God, Ribono Shalolam. Kulumi Kribu Levanecha Karim B'nei Shana. So, karshana. Uh, have these non-Jews ever offered, like, to you, like the Jews offered to you, like lambs a year old? Kedar Shikribu Yisrael Levanecha? Sheitar. What's Sheitar? Kulumi Kribu Levanecha Sheitarim Sheitarim Sheitar. Admasa, kum bado vanecha mizbach adama. Did they ever build for you a uh, an altar of of, of dirt? Tarshish, kum shimshu vanecha bizig day kuna. Did they ever serve you with big day kuna? We know that achashverosh usurped the big day kuna, but did they ever serve you with big day kuna? Dichvivei tarshish kishon biyashvei. Tarshish was one of the uh, jewels, uh, you know, for the coin gadol. Meres, kula mirsu b'dam levanecha. Did they ever stir the blood before you? Marsena, kula mirsu b'menachos levanecha. Did they ever stir the menachot to mix them up? You know, you mix up the flour with the oil. Mimuchan, kula hichinu shochan levanecha. Did they ever put a table before you? So, you know, obviously, so this was them sort of saying, God, you got to get involved here and help the Jewish people. Now, you know, because this obviously was a story that led to Esther. So you got to sort of plant a plant Esther here because bad things are coming. And, you know, and these non-Jews, you know, look where they are and compare them to how the Jews, you know, have served you in the past. Um, but again, quite fascinating bringing up the whole issue of the Korbanot, which is not currently the case. Um, and, um, but again, that seems to be exactly the point, that all of this is part of the story of leading to the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash, similar to the story of the sages. We don't have a Beit HaMikdash, so all of this is part of that arc of history of the Beit HaMikdash being destroyed and then to be rebuilt. Wait, okay. So the Gemara is saying that the, each name that alliterates with an avoda, that's the Avodah that they didn't do. Didn't do. Right. So let's just read one more sentence about that. Why is it called Mimuchan? Because he was setting himself up for bad things. Uh, not intentionally. So you see the, uh, the minor person, the lay person, jumps to the head. He was the last guy of the list, but he was so taken with himself that he had to speak up first. So Amarava, Yomali Garat Harishona were not for the first letters that he sent out here at the beginning of the story, Loni Shaimisonam Chesel, here's the name Chesel again. So read the Valit, the Jews would have been completely destroyed. 
because once they got the permission to rise up against the Jews, they wouldn't have waited till the 13th of Adar. They would have acted on it right away. And that would have been the end of the Jewish people. But the reason that later letter did not have the power it did was because the earlier letter was so foolish it undermined Ahasuerus' authority. Why was the earlier letter so foolish? I mean, when they got the earlier letter, people said, My God, the Shadulan, what is he sending to us? Pizza, of course, every person is, every man is, you know, what is it, the master of his castle. So, what's that phrase? Not master of the castle, what's the phrase? Master of the house, or something. King in his castle. Anyway, they had to stay there. Even Master of his own domain. Okay. Anyway, even like, you know, even like a lowly person in his own house, he's the head, he's the governor. So, obviously, this is a stupid king. He doesn't even, you know, these, these edicts he's sending out are foolish. And therefore, they hesitated and they didn't act on it immediately in the later level. And that uh, ultimately saved the Jews. Okay, so just, well, just, I just want to end with one little Tosos on that point. If you look at Tosos, Mimuchan, Tosos said, Yej Midrash Haya Daniel, not Haman, he was Daniel, Ufishaya Nasri Lissarich, Aisa Gidolamimenu, Shaloha Yachulik Kofa, the Daver Kilshono, Yaslasas Kay. So this is all politics are personal, right? Because <laughs> Daniel was married to a woman who he couldn't get her to speak his language. So he told Ahasuerus, you got to tell all the households that the wives have to listen to their husbands and husbands' language. That's, that's, that's a, really wild. That's a pretty wild. I'll tell you one other thing. Hold on, let me just turn to 